When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Sharpen the Point. I'm Brian Pillern here with Chris Tindall. Week 11 of the college football season. Hard to believe the regular season's got three weeks left, huh? Kind of hurts. It's going to be very painful, but we'll look forward <laughs> to bowl season. We get those little small slates in there. We do, and it seems like uh, if things continue tracking, we'll have a, a New Year's Six Florida State to play with here, potentially a playoff uh, Florida State, so we can certainly have another episode for you there. If you're new to the program, which hopefully we're adding more and more new people every week, it seems like, uh, we are a college football game and DFS picks podcast. Got an article to go with it on TomahawkNation.com. But of course, you get much more of the info, the the nuance, the, uh, I don't know. We we saved some extra picks here, too, for the DFS side. So I wouldn't bank it all there. We had plenty of conversations last week about the uh, kind of gray areas between the picks on the DFS side, especially with injuries and those sorts of things. And I feel like I gave you a pretty good... Um, Maybe don't pick LSU this week uh, argument here that I didn't give you in the podcast. So uh, we'll take it. If you are following our picks, remember, if you're doing it, do so responsibly. Follow our picks at your own risk. Two guys with keyboards and computers and headphones and those sorts of things from Amazon. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's your picks. So not gambling advice, but explaining where we are with our gambling. If you're here in Florida, uh, obviously sports betting has started to go legal. Uh, the Hard Rock app dropped recently. Of course, our lines all come from DraftKings. Um, so if you're into the game, new to the game, you know, at least sit around, listen, learn a few things. Uh, the way we do this around here, we start off with what went right, what went wrong. And I like to go on DFS first because we always end with DFS as well. Chris, my best last lineup last week was pretty good. Nothing special. Uh, the phrase I would use for last Saturday's slate was surprise Saturday morning injuries. It was a good time to have the Twitter notifications on and be all up in the Discord that I'm in with the injury links. So they were monitoring the beat writers heavily. And once Will Shipley was out, it was all aboard the Moffa train. And uh, Jawar Jordan, I didn't think he would play. I said that on the show. That's or no, that was two weeks ago. We we were happy and we thought Jawar Jordan was going to play. We actually wrote him up, and then there was some concern with the hamstring and then Guarendo went off last week yeah. I think he went for 200 yards so well, we knew Jordan that Louisville running okay. back was going to smash but yeah uh, Jordan and then they gave Jordan some iffy. work it just it it was pretty clear they didn't need him so why force it yeah exactly and then Travion was great you know as expected so basically I ended up on all Travion Ollie Gordon and Maffa. And that was 
dang near the nuts at running back. So that that carried me most of the week. I wish I would have played more McLeod. You know, he yeah, was he representing had an unbelievable my game. <laughs> I know he was unreal. You know that that stack paid. And it didn't need anything out of Reggie Brown. Surratt was good enough. I favored Surratt over Brown. That was the right call. Phoenix Sproles probably ended up would have been the right play at 3,700. But it is what it is. You know, we're we're uh, looking to get into a bowl game. Apparently, we sent another letter to the NCAA and the Attorney General will get involved here pretty soon. It'd be nice if we got to play in a New Year's Six game. Well, I, I actually want to do that real quick before we get to the actual game picks. You are the most famous James Madison alum that I'm aware of, um, which I, is probably saying nothing because I don't know how many I actually know outside of you. I think maybe uh, none. So uh, you have a platform here. We've got well, you know over a thousand people who listen to this, and so maybe one of them happens to know somebody who knows somebody. So it doesn't make any sense to me. Why is JMU not in a bowl game? It is the Marshall rule. So it was instituted when Marshall went up to the from the FCS to the FBS and Randy Moss transferred to Marshall to be automatically eligible immediately. And that way he didn't have to sit out a season because they played FCS. They won an FCS national championship. They went to FBS and they were eligible again. So it was basically in in essence for that. Now the transfer portals changed those rules. They tried to kind of hide behind. It's not fair for you. Um, we can't go back to the FCS. That's obvious. So they're kind of hiding on a bunch of antiquated rules from 25 years ago and banking on that being the situation, but it's a weird situation. They kind of frame it as we're protecting you except for we're hurting you. So it's odd. Yeah, it's, it's it's exactly that. It's we are protecting you by actively hurting you. It, it You've proven time and again to be a very good team. Uh, you're pretty clearly the best team in the Sun Belt. You are 9-0. and You just dominated what I think we all thought was probably your toughest game in Georgia State. Um, I mean, you've got wins over Virginia. And it is the Marshall rule, and you beat Marshall. So as far as I'm concerned, you should just be able to clear the Marshall rule as well. Yeah, we're 17 and three in two years, or no, 18 and three now in two years uh, out of coming out of FCS. So that's very impressive, um, and I'm very pleased with it. Uh, I think I hate to say this, but undefeated's on the table at this point because the teams left lack the capability of a passing game to really put a hurting on us. Now we would struggle with a very good team that can throw the ball a lot, but any team that's run based, I have zero doubts that we can take care of them. Well, you were upset last week. My game, that game did not make my picks list. So I do apologize. I felt like I would have had to go with, no, I picked against JMU. I think in my friends pick them, but not here on the show. So maybe I would have on the show as well. I don't know. Didn't have it. So I didn't. Uh, I did well overall, though. Seven and three. I opened six and oh to start the day. Uh, a little bit of the reverse of last week's chaos, which is great. Jumps me back up to one game under 553 and 54 on the season. Of course, always I like to revisit it because it's a good recap of what we learned and what's kind of important up ahead, I guess. You know, a lot of these teams play again the following week, the week after. So uh, a good one to revisit. Obviously, the K State. Uh, Texas game. It sure felt like K State was going to get run out the gym. 
Uh, they come storming back and probably should have won by the time the game was over. I gave K-State plus four and a half. Um, that one ends up cashing. Was it double overtime? Yeah, yeah. Will Will Howard played a heck of a game. Yeah, they, they are a good football team. Um, but it's not really – it doesn't seem like it's going to matter. It seems like Oklahoma State is on a collision course right now to be that Big 12 representative against Texas. Um, heck of a turnaround by them. We'll get to them in a bit. But uh, Texas showing – they kind of need Quinn Ewers for you. Quinn Ewers is back this week. That was a report today. Well, you're seeing you're seeing the reason why they need him. Uh, I think in the last two weeks, um, we will get to the Texas game coming up later. So more on them in a bit. We'll get more on Ole Miss in a bit too. They were in uh, what looked again like a blowout there over uh, Texas A&M, but couldn't put it away. Texas A&M's defense held up well against the run there. Um, they were close at a field goal to tie it at the gun. I was kind of happy. I kind of, I kind of happy they missed because then didn't have to worry about overtime being in the cover. So we'll take it. Texas A&M plus three and a half hits there, so that's two in a row. Uh, gave you Clemson at home against Notre Dame. Told you I felt like Clemson at home in uh, Dabo's just got yelled at by all the fans. Game felt like a pretty easy one uh, to me. It just seemed like it makes sense. I think Clemson was the team. Notre Dame was the type of team that Clemson can play well against, especially at home, uh, and they did. Yeah, Phil Moffa. Phil Moffa was so good. It was so much fun to watch. Club <laughs> Nick threw the ball just well enough to to make it work. And ultimately, Clemson bottled up Estime and Hartman. Hartman did break off some runs late in that game, but uh, it, was, it wasn't enough to keep it within reach, especially with the way Moffa was playing. Yeah, we felt like Notre Dame's commitment to the run game, even very late into other games, was something that would play well for Clemson. That front seven obviously being very good there. Um, you know, we saw the holes kind of elsewhere, but not up in that front area, especially at home. They played Florida State so well at home. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame is anywhere near as good as Florida State. So this one uh, made sense. So that was a 3-0 and start. I also gave you Missouri at Georgia. I've been kind of pushing that Georgia isn't obviously anywhere near as good as they were a year ago. And um, Missouri continues to be underrated in my eyes. Obviously, this one, Luther Burden gets injured. Uh, during the game, that was uh, a big turning point, I think, in the final result of the game. Missouri still covered the 15 and a half fairly easily. Um, but, yeah, it ended up being the big deal being the loss of Luther Burton for Missouri. Right. And we talked about previously on multiple episodes how Burton is a star at a smaller SEC school. And but he's a far better player than the situation he's in. They yeah. feature him. He came out and was real hot early. If this could be a situation this week that in case we don't touch on it later, if he's out, Theo Weiss is a great value this week facing off of Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know Luther Burden, if you missed this game, because there were a lot of games in that 330 window last week. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's averaging over 100 yards a game. He's averaging seven receptions, 15 yards a reception. Uh, just a very good player that, again, is on a team that not many people are paying attention to. Missouri's good. Missouri's a pretty good team. We'll talk about both these teams more in a bit, but uh, another fun one here, so I was plenty happy to go 4-0 there. Uh, next on the list was Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I talked about this one. It felt like Oklahoma It was kind of bleeding lately. Um, Oklahoma State, leaning on Ollie Gordon, has been phenomenal. Final bedlam in Stillwater. It's it felt like six and a half was way too many points for Oklahoma state. And obviously they ended up winning it outright. If we could have just gotten that pass interference call on stoops. I mean, 
Stoops played a heck of a game. I, you know, you know from our text chain that I late swapped to Stoops and I had a Stoops and uh, I had a Stoops with um, JMU double stacked oh, okay. with Gabriel stacked in that late set with the nuts from the early slate. And I was like, oh boy, we're going to run up this leaderboard. And I think I ended up finishing about a hundredth with that team because Stoops went off and they just didn't let Gabriel chuck it the way I wanted to. Um, but Hey, that's, that's the breaks and Ollie continues to smash. So we'll talk about him later. That's for sure. Yeah. And I do want to quickly on Oklahoma, that's their second consecutive conference loss, put some kind of middle of the pack now in a collection of teams tied with that conference run at two losses. Uh, it does make me just curious, kind of, Obviously, the the Texas game went their way. The goal line stand, the late drive to win it. Um, I don't know. It was interesting because it felt like maybe middle of the year, we we're like, oh, clearly, Ven- middle of October, we we're like, clearly, Venables was the key to Clemson. Uh, he saved them, and now they just kind of look like same old Oklahoma. Yeah, it's – I jumped all in on the bandwagon. I drank the Kool-Aid, <laughs> and uh, Jim Jones showed up, and that was a problem. Yeah, well, uh, uh, Ollie Gordon continues to be that guy. So, like you said, we'll get to him in a bit. Uh, the other game in the three thirty slate I nailed was the Virginia Tech Louisville game. Uh, for some reason, this line was nine and a half. Virginia Tech, I believe, to be very bad. Uh, they had three wins against the worst three teams in this in the ACC, which for some reason put them in second in this conference and had a lot of people. I guess, believing in that, keeping the line lower. Uh, Louisville ran all over him. It was never particularly close. He mentioned it earlier. This one was easy. Louisville minus nine and a half. It seems pretty clear that the second best team in the ACC to me. Yeah, and we were all over that Virginia Tech was terrible. And I, I mean, I'm if I would have written up a third quarterback last week or written up a cheap one, it would have been drones <laughs> from from Virginia Tech, and I'm very thankful I didn't because that would have been by far and away the worst pick I'd ever made on this show. Yeah, they were not great. Um, the the one game that I thought was very uh, different than what I expected, but again, don't blame myself, was this Florida State pit game. Florida State actually finished two yards away from covering despite essentially having none of their offensive wide receiver weapons with Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman Keon Coleman being the surprise scratch there right before game time. Uh, there were a lot of weird reporting going there, like he's in, but he's there and he's not playing and he's he is. I don't. It was a lot of weird going on. Um, regardless, it just felt like Florida State was like, "Hey, we're just going to take the air out of the ball and get out of here alive." They did, uh, and like I said, they finished. I think went in by seventeen and, and literally two yards short uh, of winning it as they just ran out the clock because they got tackled at like the two with. 40 seconds left and they didn't put the play clock back up there. So um, that was the first loss of the day, but it was uh, again, another one I was two yards short of going seven and zero to start the day. So two parts on this one. Number one, <laughs> that we did talk about the A&M beat writer last week. I believe he gave a running commentary of every single thing that Le'Veon <laughs> Moss did when he walked out of that locker room this week. So good on that guy. He learned a lesson there. Also, I really want to note that the Florida State staff did a great job of reporting on this game. I knew when Coleman didn't come out for a punt for you know just to field punts, like they were on everything with this. And I can't say that we, us in the DFS community, appreciate that so much. You know, you, you're never gonna 
you're never going to get the credit you deserve when you get it right. And you're going to get all the stick when you get it wrong. So this is me giving you guys the credit that that, that <laughs> was uh, y'all did a great job of keeping good updates and giving good information. And, and we greatly appreciate it. I, uh, I'll avoid talking further about that game. Cause I got a lot more to touch up on in, in, in a bit. The uh, Washington at USC, I went with USC plus three and a half, thinking another kind of prolific offense was Washington's night worst nightmare. They had been struggling lately. Uh, USC just, I mean, they are, I, I mean, they're, they just can't, they couldn't slow down anything. Washington was able to run the ball all over them. They didn't even really, I mean, Penix had a good game, but they didn't need Penix to have that unbelievable of a game. It was a lot of Johnson running all over them. Uh, USC is just bad. That broke my heart was Johnson running all over them. I had a lot of <laughs> Penix and that hurt. I mean, it, it, I had a lot of the receivers, Penix. I mean, that was what I was counting on with some of those teams that I had late. So it hurt my whole my heart. And it's a lesson learned that if I'm playing one side of it, I probably should play the other side in case something crazy goes awry because everybody was going to be on Penix. And if you would have played Dylan Johnson, you would have been – set up real nice for a big payday well it's funny because i i have played johnson a few times just to do something different uh and last week i talked myself out of it going well just quit doing it it just hasn't worked the way you hoped just you know take don't do anything stupid and i should have uh that was pretty pretty self-explanatory there uh next game i had wrong i had lsu plus three and a half at alabama like i talked about earlier uh i brought it up on this podcast i brought it up in the article LSU was down three corners, including two starters, and their defensive tackle. Um, still were in this game. They threw the pick on the first play of the fourth quarter, just like the Florida State game earlier this year. That kind of sunk the game, but not, you know, maybe the cover. Uh, that was gone when Dallas Turner took what I believe to be a, a cheap shot targeting, line him up and drill Jaden Daniels' shot. That point it was pretty clear LSU wasn't going to score again. That's how the final score ended at that point. 42-28, I think it was. Um I can talk more about Bama in a bit. Looks like Daniels in terms of Heisman conversations. I know we've talked about that a bunch. Uh Kelly, Brian Kelly saying he's probable to play this week. He was off the board uh when I was talking about Heisman earlier this week. I hadn't looked since that announcement to see if he's back on the board. I imagine the loss probably sinks his chances, but uh, his numbers are still the gaudiest numbers out of anyone in playing uh up for the Heisman it's interesting because I think his numbers are gaudy from the rushing totals because I know Penix is out out slinging the rock on him um let me grab those numbers because I was looking at it earlier this week and was surprised let me see total offense so LSU is averaging 332 a game through the air so I have Daniels has got 684 rushing to Penix's negative 13. Yeah. Passing, Penix has 320 or 3,200, and Daniels is at 2,792. Yeah, yeah. That's so it's it's about it's 409 yards on the season difference through nine games, so like 40 yards a game. Um, yeah, I got Daniels I got Washington. At, I got Washington at 383 yards passing per game. And LSU at 332. So obviously that's going to have some Nussmeyer and backup quarterbacks in there. So it's about 50 yards a game. Yeah. Team-wise. The, that's the link to the individual national player stats. Um, 
I'm curious. It, it seems to me this is going to be Bo Nix's award, to be honest with you. It just feels like that Pac-12 championship game is going to be where all the voters just decide that Friday night who they're going to vote for. And uh, you find me a better story than the 19th year senior who had to transfer to find his place to start coming back, winning a redemption game in the Pac-12 championship game to go to a playoff. I don't look hard at time imagining you should see the uh, the efficiency numbers for some of his wide receivers specifically. I think I saw a stat. It was Tez Johnson, uh, his brother, um, Terrence Ferguson and Gary Bryant. They each have roughly I think uh, Bryant was 25 targets. Ferguson had 29 and Tez had like 50 something. And the total incompletions on those 100 passes was 10. <laughs> I mean, it was nuts. He's completing 90% of his passes to those three. The level of efficiency that the man has has been insane. They haven't needed him. They don't need him this week, but it's very similar to the Colorado game where they didn't really need him there either, and it wasn't necessarily a big Bucky game. It was a very big Bo Nix game. Well, you know, voters love them. A smiling face who leads the team that's playing the best. It seems like it's down to Penix, Bo Nix, and then an outside shot at Jordan Travis. I could, again, see if... I, I don't see the path where Jaden Daniels doesn't just get left out. It feels like he just goes to New York and loses. Uh, he is... Jaden Daniels is fifth in odds now. Travis and J.J. McCarthy are tied for third behind Penix and Nix. Three um, more games, and I'm not sinking Ollie Gordon in this. He is... He was just right there. Hold on, let me find it. I had it right in front of me. Ollie He's Gordon, got a shot. Well, he's at plus 4,000 currently. I mean, so, imagine they run the table. If they run the table and win the Big 12. And he has 200 yards and three touchdowns each of the last three games. I he mean, could. it's not out of the realm of, of, of possibility at this point. Yeah, it certainly feels like it's going to be one of those Pac-12 quarterbacks, but it's definitely on the table. Uh, last game I gave you was Oregon State at Colorado. I took Colorado plus 13 and a half after finally saying, you know what? Their defense is playing better. Not terrible. Travis Hunter back in there makes him look a whole lot better, and uh, they did. They covered. I think they only lost by seven, and we'll take it. Thank God for that two-point conversion that got run back. I think that ended up uh, playing a huge factor in it, but we'll take it. Uh, so on to th- It did help a lot because it went from like a weird, should be 11-point game down to like seven, and then we made a much better number. Um, it's a four-point swing. What was it? Yeah, we made yeah. it by two anyway, but that's fine. Um so we move on to the games this week. Not a ton of jump off the screen games at you. I think there's a few, three or four that I think are kind of carrying the whole thing, which isn't all you really need. The big one in the Big Ten at noon is number three, Michigan at number 10, Penn State. Michigan laying five and a half on the road. And I am plenty here for Penn State. I believe Michigan has not played anyone this season. And without the with the Connor Stallions thing going on, with the how good really is Michigan? I think I said it here on this podcast that every team Michigan has played is what I would describe as a team I wouldn't watch my favorite team play against in a bowl game. I just don't know if I can trust Michigan and just give me I wish it was a little bit bigger for how dominant Michigan's been. Just give me five and a half. I feel like James Franklin loses this game like he loses every game. But, I mean, here I am again, right? I'm not there at all. Uh, I I just don't even know how Penn State scores. And Michigan's outscored. You could say their schedule has been terrible. It has. 
they've also outscored their opponents by 300. Like it's 360 to 60. It's unreal. So I don't, I just don't see how Penn State scores touchdowns. Now, McCarthy, yeah. if you did bet McCarthy futures on the Heisman or Corum or any Michigan guy, get out. Like they're they're done. If it had a cash out button, take it. <laughs> You're there's no voter that's voting for a Michigan guy to win the Heisman at this point. It's just not gonna happen. Cause they are the just pitchforkiest people alive are those voters. Yeah. Look at the baseball hall of fame. I was going to say it's going to be very similar to the baseball hall of fame group of guys. You're not going to look at a Michigan quarterback and go, you know what? Yeah, that feels right. Exactly. So they're out there, but I think Michigan's got something to prove. Happy Valley, tough place to play. This is not a whiteout. This is a noon game in happy Valley. I'll take Michigan. I mean, they, they should, they could win this game seven nothing, and it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, and, and, I just, and, and remember, and we, we just saw Indiana. Indiana was terrible against. I mean, smoked like was lighting up the scoreboard. It felt like against Penn State for Indiana. This certainly feels like a game James Franklin has to win. I wouldn't be. I mean, look, he has a monster contract, but if he gets embarrassed by Michigan at home, I just can't imagine this fan base, this alumni base, being like, you know, this is fine. This is fine. I'm okay with just losing to Michigan and Ohio State every single season. Do you know how the tiebreaker is done in the Big Ten if Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan all have one loss to each other? I don't. I'm hoping you have the answer, so I don't have to Google it. It is strength. It is the record of their opponents from the West. Which is a mosh pit of like four loss teams. Yeah, so I know Minnesota. <laughs> I know Minnesota still has to play Ohio State, and Penn State has played Iowa already. So I, I mean, I think Penn State has the advantage at the moment, but it, it would get real hairy coming down the stretch because yeah, they're all awful. I mean, the when Nebraska has a shot to come out of the Big Ten West, you know, you got issues. I, uh, I I'm very intrigued by this game. It's one that is, is definitely going to have my attention Saturday morning. Uh, the other game that has my attention Saturday morning is number eight, Alabama, minus 11 and a half at Kentucky. Um, I'm sure you're very familiar with the concept, but uh, I'm calling this the very obvious letdown game for Alabama. Uh, big game at home against LSU. Milro puts on a show against the house of cards that is the LSU defense. They now go on the road to play a noon game in Kentucky. I just feel like this is a very boring vanilla game, and I feel like it's going to be a lot of similarities to whatever that was that Alabama put on the field against Arkansas a few weeks ago. That wasn't that long ago uh, when K.J. Jefferson kind of gave them a game. 11.5 is a big number. I think everyone's buying this Milrow hype. He's figured it out. He's a much better quarterback when LSU just refused to do what every drunk guy from Alexandria was yelling at his TV last weekend, which was spy the goddamn quarterback. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I feel like Kentucky could do that. (laughs) So, I'm in. Give me Kentucky plus 11 and a half at home. Oh, I agree. Um, I would go Kentucky. Kentucky's a well-rounded team. This is a very big, like you said, letdown spot for Alabama. The spread's a little bit too big. It should be sub 10, in my opinion. 
And Kentucky is just good enough on both sides of the football with an experienced enough quarterback and experienced running back who has played Alabama multiple times. This is, this is a spot where Kentucky manages to keep it just close enough to cover. Yeah, we, we've bought into Alabama a lot quicker than I expected just on the, well, you beat LSU, and again, that LSU team is not what I think everyone thinks they are based on the injuries they have. Uh, next game on the list, we jumped to the 330 slate where I think we've got more interesting games. I've got four of them listed here. Uh, Florida State's hosting Miami. They're laying 14 and a half against what is, I guess, a scuffling Miami team. Tyler Van Dyke looked like the Tyler Van Dyke of old in the first four weeks and has not looked anything like himself in the five weeks since then. I asked you earlier if you thought he would start this game. I'm not really sold that he will. I know he's been dealing with a shoulder injury. I know he's been dreadful. And I just don't know how much longer they're going to keep going to him. To me, I don't see any way they keep up with Florida State, even if their defense is better and they hold the Florida State run game, which has been bad, down. Jordan Travis at home in a rivalry game. I'm interested on whether or not these receivers play, for sure. Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, that's going to be something to watch Saturday morning. But uh, I just think Jordan Travis is playing at too high of a level. He's going to be the best player on the field by a mile. Oh, if we just look at the box score come Sunday, we won't know if Portier ever played. <laughs> Man, he... Uh, how many times I put him in my lineups for him to get like four reds, four goal uh, end zone targets and no catches? Last week's the third time you've recommended him to me and the third time he's goosed me. So at this <laughs> point, just don't even bother. I'm never playing him again. If if Honestly, he should be the first guest on this show. <laughs> after he graduates you know because obviously we're no guests from the team until they graduate because of the gambling stuff but i mean come on man like you've goosed uh, me three times at this point like, I can't look i told this. you i was watching the game last week and like the one of the first plays they target him down the sideline on like 40 yard play and the ball is just a little out of bounds and i was like oh okay well, that was a great throw great play. like looking for him got nothing for like the entire first half and the rest of the first half then, like, their next scoring drive, they, like, threw to him twice in the end zone. And I was like, love this. We're looking for him in the end zone. In the end zone. That's what we're looking for. And then he never had a catch. So, yeah, that's my bad. It's okay. It happens. It's what I do. But you've goosed me on every FSU we, wide receiver. I know. It is You've ever recommended to me as a deep play. They deep have play. scheduled. I'll give you, if you say Keon Coleman, fine. Like, I, I was going to say, I nailed the game you give me the any of the starters, any of the starters you get right. It's these deep play cheap guys maybe it just has to be a guy 6k or above that i allow you to, to recommend <laughs> to me because at this point they just keep goosing it was jakai douglas once last year like they now just tank my teams i uh, now he's playing great he played great well, last week he's so a leading receiver we are we are what 10 weeks into the season now and we've decided i've decided florida state does not run the ball well that's that's where i'm at they don't run the ball well period that's that's where i'm at 10 weeks i'm not not changing on that one of course, as soon as I texted you that last week, it was a 60-yard touchdown run for Trey Benson. But um, I they don't throw to the middle of the field. They rarely throw the ball to the middle of the field. It's a lot of outside throws. Um, I recommended the guy who was going to play outside. They were missing their top three outside weapons. That's where he has played very often. He played out there, just didn't catch the ball. So I, a little did I, how would I know all of a sudden they start throwing to the slot guy? I, I didn't think that was going to be a thing. Anyway, 
We move on. Enough time on Florida State for now. We'll probably come back around to them later. Tennessee minus one and a half, number 13, Tennessee minus one and a half at number 14, Missouri. This is the 330 CBS game. I'm surprised by this one. Uh, I didn't expect Tennessee favored. I I was honestly surprised that they were 13. I just figured they'd be one of those teams who was like 22. Um, I guess looking at the schedule, like it kind of makes sense. Like they haven't lost a bunch, but like I don't think they're good. I think Missouri's better at home, especially. I, I, I mean, I'll gladly just take Missouri in a point. I really think that we are comparing Tennessee to them from last year. And I think that's kind of weighing on us. Right. So I've had the same opinion where it's like, okay, well, I don't think Tennessee is very good. Joe Milton, not great. Their running game. Eh, but I, my, my opinion of the running game is because they split it three ways. Mm-hmm. All three have been highly productive this year. And last week it was only two because, uh, Jabari Small was out. So Jay- They found plenty Squ- of ways. Go ahead. Squirrel and Keaton are playing well. And in fairness, their defense has actually been really good. And you know, they're giving up 2.86 a carry on the ground, 222 yards through the air. They really haven't been getting scored on. They've only given up 17 touchdowns so far this season. So that's really impressive, in my opinion. And I think they can hang with Missouri, especially a Missouri team that if they are missing Luther Burton, which they likely are. So that's going to lean on Theo Weiss and Mookie Cooper to pick up the slack. I think that's fair. I, I see Burton is listed game time decision, which normally means uh, he'll run like four routes and then that'll be it. Um I don't know. It, it is a one and a half point game. It's a coin toss game. That's kind of the point of it, right? Yeah, I think this is a it's a hotly contested game. If Burden plays, I would expect Missouri to be favored. It'll be interesting to watch the line movement on this. I think one game to keep an eye on, especially because it matters in the conference as well, is they play against Georgia, Between Tennessee. Now does. and Sunday morning, Saturday morning. If that line swings a little bit, right? Yeah. I think they still so have a game against Georgia coming up. Uh, Tennessee does. So I could see where this game ends up mattering a lot in terms of SEC East potential. Um, you know, is this something? Because I know they've already beaten Missouri. We talked about that already. Um, so we'll have to see kind of is this one Tennessee is going to, um, you know, push for. I could, I could see it meaning more to them than, than to Missouri uh, in that aspect. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, looking ahead, I've got next on the list, the Fox game. We've already talked about Washington a lot. Boy, this one ate me up, man. I got to tell you, number 18, Utah plus nine and a half at number five, Washington. Um, I talked about how I do think Washington can get out physical. Um, we've seen it from Stanford, who I don't think any of us think is that particularly good. Uh, I know Arizona State gave them a game. Utah is obviously one of the most physical teams in the Pac-12, and that travels. I still end up at Washington because I I don't think Utah can score with Washington if they start scoring. And at home, that's where I ended up. I, I'm I'm kind of torn on this one. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if if we sat here Saturday afternoon and all of a sudden Utah was winning this game. Too much offense for Washington. Not enough offense for utah jaquindon jackson is out uh potentially he's limited for sure 
and I don't think they're going to play enough Vaki. So that's that's a scary situation. Yeah, I, I certainly that that's exactly where I ended up. Was too much offense. It was just there's just too much offense. Uh, next on the list is I got Oklahoma State minus two and a half at UCF. I surprised to see this number so low. Um, which is where traditionally this season I have turned and gone to the, hey, why is that number so no- low side of it? This time I'm just going to take it and just be happy. I don't think UCF is someone who stops the run well. Feel free to correct me on that. They have struggled against the run, correct? Yes, they yeah. have. Uh, Ollie Gordon is not the guy I think they get that fixed against. So I- I'm laying the two and a half in- on the Space Coast down here in Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Ollie's going to run it all over the place. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, so I'm real excited for it. And I think this is probably one of the better games during the day to watch. So I'll be tuned into this one for sure. Yeah, and it's got, like I mentioned, Oklahoma State's battling for that second spot in the uh, uh, Big 12. They kind of can't afford the loss. This is one of the the handful of games they have left here. I, I think the only real one they have a shot at really losing. Let me pull up the list real quick one more time. Uh, yeah, at Houston and BYU. They've got the three three of the new schools after already dominating Cincinnati. Um, I don't know. Maybe Houston gives them a game, but it feels like they're just going to be able to run through the next three opponents, running the ball with Ollie Gordon. Um, this one, if any of them, maybe. Just because, you know, UCF, we've seen UCF push Oklahoma on the road. Now they get Oklahoma State at home, maybe. But uh, I, 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 I like the Cowboys. Yep. Ride the pokes, and they should <laughs> win some games this week. Here's one. We jumped down to the 7 o'clock slate, and I just um, – how is, how is Ole Miss still here? How are they still here, man? They're not good. Judkins has looked good. Judkins carried them last week, and we finally got that bad dart game, thankfully. Uh, yeah. I, so I'm back on it, though, right? Because they're, they're – so – Dart, especially on the road, has looked bad. Um, the the Auburn game, if Auburn gives you trouble, that's normally a problem. Georgia obviously had a tough game at Auburn. Ole Miss had a tough game at Auburn. If you look at Dart's final numbers from the game, you go, eh, not bad. Uh, he had a couple of – he was stealing Judkins' touchdowns. It was all Judkins, and um, you didn't really get it from, from Dart. He got the touchdowns, but not more than that. He now gets to go on the road to Georgia. I know I've been saying I don't think Georgia's that good. I've started to come back around on Carson Beck. The run game's getting healthier. Um, as I come down to is Georgia's going to cover this thing probably with a defensive score. I, I think Dart trying to win, trying to make a game-winning drive just ends this thing, whether we're going the other way, kind of Georgia play. And that's where I end up. Yeah, no, I mean, Georgia has the playmakers, and they've looked good even without having our guy Brock Bowers out there. So I think Georgia has enough, and I don't know if you've seen anything, but Lane Kiffin had some issues today with some stuff coming out. Now, I don't really blame Lane so much in that situation, but there was some touchy stuff regarding uh, mental, mental health. health and, a, yeah. and a player, yep. So – that was interesting that you come back and the first conversation you have after not talking to somebody, you decide to record it. Well, if you expect hey. it to be contentious, uh, I, I can understand it. Um, but yeah, it's it's not exactly if you are Lane Kiffin, what you're what you're hoping for midweek for the biggest game of your season here. Because if you're Ole Miss to win the SEC West and potentially play Georgia again, you need to win this game and have Alabama lose either to Kentucky or Auburn to end the season. 
So you are in that spot. You've got to win this game um, and potentially beat Georgia twice. So not exactly how you wanted this week to go. Yeah, it's not the ideal start to the week, especially when you have to play the Bulldogs and the reigning defending champions. Reigning defending undisputed champions of the world. Yeah, it's uh it's it's a tough one. And, and you'd think eventually like we've seen this with these quote-unquote dynasties, right? Where a team starts to look worse. Uh Georgia just somehow we're still here. They're still the 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 workhorse, they're still doing it. Uh next game, another big spread, Texas Number seven, Texas, minus 11 and a half. This was originally 10 and a half earlier this week. I see it now at 11 and a half, but I assume the news that yours is back at TCU. I So TCU obviously started the year horrible and looked better in October and then looked horrendous again last week. Um, I don't think they're particularly good. I don't think I'd be surprised if TCU was storming the field after the game just because that's where I'm at with this season. I don't think anybody's particularly good. Texas, quarterback comes back. How sharp is he? Is he trying to do too much? I, I don't know. It it feels like one of those spots, like we get the Texas Tech, uh, you know, weird game, in-state team. I'm just going to go with TCU in 11 and a half and hope for the best. That, and it's not a great endorsement. I don't say follow all my picks, but I got to pick something because that's what I do here. TCU is a weird team. Their weird. backup quarterback plan, I, he just hasn't impressed me at all. Uh, the running back, Amani Bailey, has played great, and they spread the ball around to all their receivers. So they're they're a very awkward team to, to try to defend. You never know quite who's going to catch the football on a given week. Texas probably wins the game covering slightly different story. Uh, we'll have to see what Ewers looks like and see what kind of reports we get on Ewers later in the week. I went back and forth on this next game on what to put. I considered LSU Florida here. Uh, Jaden Daniels' status was up in the air at that point. So I went with Duke plus 14 and a half at North Carolina. Uh, Duke really sold the season trying to play Riley Leonard against Florida State. Uh, out last week, it just seems like they are kind of finished here. It seems like he's going to be out probably for the rest of the year with, with I think, a foot injury he's got now. Um, I just don't think they have anywhere near the offense to keep up with North Carolina, so I'll make this one quick and easy. I'll lay the 14.5 with UNC. Yep, more Omarion Hampton game than a Drake May game. Yeah, I think you gave us the uh, they're not that great against the run conversation a few weeks ago when they played Louisville, right? Yes, it did, and that was that was a bold take at that point, and it's proven true the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm calling this the Bucky Irving Bowl, number six, Oregon hosting fifteen uh, USC unranked USC plus fifteen and a half for USC. Uh, I would lay up to like twenty. Uh, Oregon is just gonna run this ball eight million times. Yeah, and then I think it, it, Caleb Williams. This might be a situation where Caleb Williams. This this could be the last time you see him. Think so. I could see it. What does he have left? I mean, two more games and, and just pack it in, right? Yeah, and who are they really playing? What UCLA and Cal I uh, know they already played Cal. So it's UCLA and somebody. So nothing really left to play for. Yeah, I and I mean I don't I don't know how any of this works with NIL and those kind of things. I don't I don't know what those contracts look like, whether or not he's he's got to play. I, I would hope that. so. That Oregon on the road is a – all they have is UCLA. They're off okay. the final week of the season. So, yeah, this is it. 
He's got two two weeks left, so I mean, maybe he sits next week. Uh, I just or I just don't see the way they don't get boat raced by Oregon. Yeah, it's going to get ugly. I think Oregon's going to score and score at will. Very similar to the Colorado game that they had. Yeah. Uh, you wrote in here a bonus bet for me, so I'm just going to cede the floor to you. It's the one thing that I bet on this week. I, I did take Oklahoma State uh, early in the week. But the other bet that I took was Old Dominion plus 13 and a half against Liberty. Liberty's undefeated. Old Dominion, not that great. But they've only lost one game by more than six points. Like they, they haven't lost any games above 13 and a half. One game over 13 and a half. It was a tough matchup. But they they play close games and they just don't know how to finish. Liberty's literally played two teams that with a winning record. So mm-hmm. I'm going to ride old dominion to play that game close and a little bitter in-state in-state game there. All right. Well, we'll, I'll have to track that when we get back here next week to see how you did. We'll have to check in on that. Uh, but we really care about what you have to say and not at all in these regular picks. It's all about the DFS. No, obviously we care what you say all the time, but uh, in the DFS realm of the world here, again, if you're new to it, uh, we do it on DraftKings. It's the main slate, which is the early window. That's the noon, 3.30, occasionally a 4 o'clock game um, Eastern time. Normally, you don't see a lot of Pac-12 teams in there. You might get a couple at 3.30. Um, you got a couple of them here for us. They're quarterbacks, at least, uh, as, as your favorite, and they certainly look like your favorite value guys. Oh, certainly. So starting out, we get Noah Fafita from Arizona at $6,000. I misread his him. name earlier and called him Fifta. Yep, Fifta. And <laughs> he took over earlier in the year for an injured Jaden Delora, who I like to play as a lot as well. This price is absurd. It's 2K too cheap. And he gets to start in a game against what we love to term the fantasy carnival that is Colorado. He's hit 300 yards three times in his five starts, thrown three-plus touchdowns in four of five starts. At 6K, I'd play him against any team in the Pac-12 that's not named Utah. You know, So I, I love this matchup. I, I'm going to have him on every team, and he's just a lock and load. Don't even bother to try to come up with anything different. Your other name on here is... Uh... It's one I certainly recognize from earlier this year when we played against USC. It's our old friend, Fernando Mendoza of Cal at 5900 So great starting price here, 6500 That gives us a ton of room to pay up for some stuff. But I'm not going to guarantee that this is the only guy that I'm going to have in my lineup like Fafita, right? So Fafita's in every lineup. Mendoza's going to be in some. I like Cam Ward of Washington State, John Rice Plumley of UCF, and Michael Pratt of Tulane. They're all good options. Mendoza, however, is the cheapest. Love the game environment he's in. That's got a nice high total and a close spread. I was shocked that Cal was favored over Washington State, actually. So there's four touchdowns to put on the board. Jaden Ott is very good. But in this situation, Mendoza, we got to remember what he did for us when we played USC at 36 fantasy points, and he was only $100 less than he is now. He struggled with Oregon last week. I expected that when he goes to Autzen. I expected his struggles when he had to play against Utah. But the two games that he had otherwise were that USC game at home with 36 points and 
the Oregon State game at home where he had 23 points. I think something in between that, like 25 to 30, seems just about right. And at this price tag, that's very, very competitive. You called him our old friend. He's a redshirt freshman, and he's from Miami, Columbus High School, and Berlin. How about that? Uh, we move on to running backs. Uh, we hinted at this one earlier. Ollie Gordon is um, – He's been the smash play, and it certainly feels like another smash week for Ollie. I don't have to do a lot to sell you on this one. It's 7,900 <laughs> on Ollie. Uh, UCF gives up five yards of carry and 23 touchdowns on the year. You know, I don't know how you fade him at this point. It's his worst game was his last game with 30 fantasy points in his last five. So he's had 50 burgers in there, multiple, uh, 40 pointers. He looked a little banged up last week at the end of Bedlam. But I think that they're going to have to play him in these situations and they're going to have to ride him. He kept playing in the game last week. So no concerns with Ollie. And and I think you just, you just pencil him in unless something comes out to the contrary. And uh, let's move on to Makai Hughes, two-lane running back, the old green wave down here in New Orleans at 5,800. So I've tried to insert my James Madison Dukes into as many instances <laughs> as I could in this article, saying that they're the best group of five team. If we're not, two-lane is. Two-lane looks great. They've played a good schedule. They've taken care of business. Their only loss was with their backup quarterback in against Ole Miss. Which was very so, close until very late in that game. Exactly. And Ole Miss scored very late to break the top, break the uh, the cover on that. And we're thankful for that because I had bet on Ole Miss in that same game. Same here. Yeah, <laughs> so we're very thankful for that. So this, this price is wrong at $5,800. He's too cheap. He should be mid-6Ks at least. This coaching staff has long relied on a running back by committee system until Ty J. Spears last year when they went on to one, win the Rose Bowl. Started off the year, I expected to see them go back to that committee system. Hughes has taken just taken the role and run off with it. He's rushed for 100 yards in each of his last five games. They got a 38-point team total. They're favored by 23 points, and they're at home. Against the defense, giving up four over four yards of carry and 20 touchdowns. I love the price tag. You're looking at 100 yards minimum and then at least a touchdown. You know, it, that's why I think at worst case, you need to play Hughes or Pratt in one of your in your lineup, one of those two. So I'm probably going to have Hughes in most of my lineups and then I'll chunk in Pratt in one out of the yeah. four. Yeah, I'm looking at their uh, at Hughes's. Uh carry totals in the last few weeks. I mean, he opened the year with 8, 23, 14, and 5. Those those low totals were all in games they won by 18-plus. Uh, since then, 22, 26, 20, 23, 25. Uh, it's just an incred- incredibly low salary for a guy who's touching the ball that often. Uh, put up over 20 points in four out of those five games. The other was 14. He just didn't score that game. Um, he scored in the others. So, I mean, it's just... He's a a, a miss a miss uh, miss value or misprice, I guess. Yeah, and you'll get that out of the G five, which we referenced last week with the JMU wide receivers. And I think the only way he doesn't hit is if Pratt goes off. 
So I think that's a situation where if by hedging, I'm hedging with Pratt in one lineup just to be safe. We move on to the wide receiver area. You go back to the Pac-12 here with your two wide receivers, one from the same team, one from a different team. Same game. Yep, Jacob Cowing from Arizona at 6,700. You know, I wrote up, I texted you and said, hey, I already, I've got my write-ups in. You can feel free to go (laughs) read about him. I wrote up a beautiful synopsis on Tet McMillan. You know, I've played him over Cowing every week so far this year that Arizona's been available. He's always cheaper. He gets deeper targets. He has less targets, but he's just consistently an end zone threat because he's a bigger wide receiver and plays on the outside. And they were teammates, him and Fafita in high school. The matchup's fabulous. Like we mentioned, giving up over 300 yards a game as the Colorado defense. They're the fantasy carnival as we know it. And then about an hour later, I realized that Travis Hunter's going to be matched up <laughs> with Tet McMillan. So we're no going to take him cowing. You know, we're gonna, he's going to be the best player. I mean, Travis Hunter's the best player on the field every time he steps on the field. Yeah, so, can't argue with that. Jacob Cowing is going to play in the slot. He's not going to face Hunter whatsoever. McMillan and Hunter, I'm watching that game because I have to see that matchup. It's going to be fabulous. But the whole time, Cowing's just going to be running wind sprints across the field, similar to Torrey Horton in the Colorado State-Colorado game. And we haven't seen a 100-yard game out of Cowing yet this year. This is going to be it. He's had multiple in his previous years. He also had a game earlier this year, though, with 10 catches, 88 yards, and four touchdowns against USC. I think we see something in the line with 10 catches is probably the floor to me. 100-plus yards and two touchdowns for Cowing because they're not going to be able to cover him at all. He's too shifty and too explosive. And then we can move into our other old friend who got hurt holding an extra point earlier this year. Yeah, that hurt my feelings. <laughs> it hurt my pocket is what it hurt. Lincoln Victor, Washington State at 5800 He's too cheap again. I mean, he's just way too cheap. The last time we wanted to play him, he got hurt holding the, the field goal. I swear and I promise to you, if that ever ha- if that happens this week, we're just writing off Washington State completely. I'm <laughs> never going to write them up again in an article. Off I'll the talk slate, about them. done with it. I'll talk about them. We're going to change their name to Redacted State University. We're just <laughs> going to get rid of it. It's not going to happen. But the fact of the matter is, since returning from that injury, his reception totals are 16, 9, and 12. I'm looking for points. Cowing and Victor solely on catches alone could combine for 20 plus fantasy points without yardage, without touchdowns. That's an absurdly high floor. He's probable this week. He did have a little bit of a nagging injury, less the game against Stanford a little early, something to monitor. The nice part here is we don't have to worry about the fact that they play in a later game in this slate. If he's out and you get word of that, just go to Kyle Williams. Kyle Williams got the big target totals when Victor was out. If he was out, he's $100 cheaper. Nice, easy pivot. It's going to be just as good of a play. The matchup's fabulous. It's the second worst defense on this slate against the pass. 
with Colorado being number one, this defense gives up 280 plus yards a game and 22 touchdowns as well. So just keep the, they're a pass first offense. Washington state is cam ward. That's why he's a good play. And I think you could easily see a nice little stat double stacks in here. And these are two high scoring games that I really want to target. So looking through this, I want to get your thoughts because these Colorado receivers kind of end up all in that cluster of players you can afford. Um, that seems like a mess. Yeah, Travis Hunter buried me against UCLA. I played him. I played him a lot on some great teams, some really high-scoring teams, and he did nothing. When he does something, he does great stuff. So I feel like a sprinkle of him's okay. When he does bad, it's really bad. And they've put a little bit more emphasis on his defense and a little less emphasis on him playing offense lately. Uh, a couple other names I'm interested in and, and curious your thoughts. I'll run through them rather quickly. Obviously, I want to bring it up again. Weiss, if Burden is out, the Missouri wide receiver, he's at 5,100. I'm sure you oh, don't yeah. have much to say there. Love uh, Weiss. Shipley, if it appears he is back from that concussion, He's trending towards playing against the 235th ranked Georgia Tech run defense. Yeah, I, that's one of those situations where I think they're going to ease him back in. I wish he would miss this week and so then it just would be go all aboard the Phil Moffat train again. <laughs> um, other names, again, I mentioned you're going to have to watch this Florida State game if you're interested in it. I know a lot of you listening are Florida State fans. These Florida State receivers are a lot cheaper than they have been. Keon Coleman checks in at 6,600. Johnny Wilson's down at 55. Normally, I feel like they're both about a thousand more expensive. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not very particularly interested in Jaheim Bell. It just seems like they haven't figured out how to use him. Uh, the one guy I would mention, and I know you, I'm not allowed to give you cheap names, so you can ignore this, Chris. Cover your ears. Uh, Kyle Morlock seems to be coming on a little bit. Um, he's 4,000. And then if the two receivers are to miss, it's Ja'Kai Douglas. He was the guy targeted a ton last week. He's four grand as well. Um, so to me, FYI, I, just think, I think the two top Florida state receivers are playing. So a couple of things to note here. If I'm going to stack with Mendoza, it's going to be with Jeremiah Hunter at 5,500. He's the unquestioned number one there. Taj Davis has done some good, nice things there, but Hunter's the alpha in that situation. And if you are looking for a $4,000 play as a flex, do not play Morlock. Play Jordan Newbin as long as Darius Taylor is still out from Minnesota. He had like a 40-carry game two weeks ago at $4,000. That would be $10 per carry. <laughs> so he's in play. Uh, also in play would be Jonah Coleman, the Arizona running back. He's been very talented, very good. He's been playing a lot in the instance that Michael Wiley is hurt. He apparently re-aggravated his ankle injury last week. So I would expect him to get most of the run. It's an odd situation where I do not like to play a quarterback with his running back. In this situation, they're an onslaught of Arizona is not out of the realm of possibility here. I mean, that that is uh, – so no? Huh? No to Morlock? Huh? No? No. No. Okay. No. Uh, you can mention anybody <laughs> – look, I have a hard enough time playing – 
Jordan Travis, even when I write him up, um, I, I'm going to eventually learn. And I think that the ACC title game will be the first time that I roster Jordan Travis all year, maybe because I <laughs> seemingly just struggle with the fact that he does not have the ceiling that I'm looking for, but the man's floor is just unquestioned at the moment. Okay. Okay. All right. But if the top two Florida state receivers miss, can I interest you in a Ja'Kai Douglas? No, no, I'm not playing any, I'm not playing a single. They'll they'll find a way to do something ridiculous. Now, isn't uh, Toa Feely? Is he out? I remember yeah, seeing that hurt. It seems like yeah, he got hurt. I don't know any updates on that either. I think that's going to be another one of those keep an eye on it Saturday morning situations. That Miami run defense has actually been pretty stout against the run with under three yards a carry and nine touchdowns on the year. I told you I last week I was done with playing the Florida State run game unless they're playing. North Alabama on the slate next week, uh, which I imagine they won't be. Uh, I'm out. I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm not. I'm not touching them. In my opinion, I would have interest, except for the fact that Benson is perennially overpriced for the risk you're taking. Yeah, I mean the number. I mean, I get why the numbers. Uh, he's popped over thirty twice. He's hit twenty nine one other time. So right in that same window. Other than that, I mean, 15, and he had that 55-yard rushing touchdown last week was the one play he really looked good. Uh, outside of that, he was 11 for 40, which is good, but, I mean, that's not doing anything for you as a DFS play at 7K. Um, it's just the value is just not there. And I, and I don't – as much as I know Florida State's secondary has been leaky at times, Restrepo is overpriced for um, the role – like I, it's it's just I don't see the ceiling for the price, and I don't I don't trust any of the other Miami receivers. So I, if you're trying to find a way to kind of buckle yourself into that game because you're a, an FSU fan, and and I just I don't really see it unless you just want to go to Travis and just play him by himself. Yeah, I would play Travis naked, and that's the only thing I would play from that entire game. By the way, naked means with no stack partner. Yeah, I left it open back. so you could clarify. I didn't want to jump in there. I figured I'm I didn't like, want to say no it, pause, yeah. but I I figured I I sometimes <laughs> get a little in the weeds. We we may end up doing a DFS terminology podcast yeah, we'll, eventually. We'll have to do that on the offseason probably to help break it down. Uh, so top to bottom, my picks. I got Penn State plus five and a half at home against Michigan, Kentucky plus eleven and a half and an upset. Uh, not an upset, but a they cover at home against uh, Alabama in a letdown game. There plus eleven and a half. Florida State laying fourteen and a half in the rivalry game against Miami. I like Missouri plus one and a half against Tennessee at home. Washington minus nine and a half against Utah. Oklahoma State on the road minus two and a half against UCF. Georgia at home minus ten and a half against Ole Miss in that top ten game. TCU's at home plus eleven and a half against Texas. I'm taking TCU. North Carolina easy one minus fourteen and a half against Duke. Duke doesn't have the offense. And then Oregon minus fifteen and a half at home. Uh, they're going to run the ball 8,000 times. Chris gave you Old Dominion plus 13 and a half against Liberty is his pick. Uh, DFS-wise, he's going Noah Fafita, not Fifta, as I gave him. Although he goes for Fifta, we'll be very happy. Uh, he's an Arizona quarterback at 6,000. Terrible joke. I'm soon to be father. What can you do about it? Uh, Fernando Mendoza at Ca- uh, Cal, 5,900 at quarterback. Ali Gordon, 7,900 Oklahoma State running back. And then Makai Hughes, 5,800 two-lane running back. Looks like a misprice there against Tulsa. Wide receiver Jacob Coing and Lincoln Victor. 
going of Arizona at 6,700. Victor, Washington State, 5,800. Again, if Victor does miss, Kyle Williams, $100 cheaper. Just make that switch there. Any final words of wisdom for the people? Monitor the injury notes. There's that's There's very a important. thousand injuries. <laughs> yes, everybody's always injured perpetually. We, talk, we talked about Weiss if Burden misses. We've talked about a, a, a dozen guys that are that could be available in big values if they miss. We saw it hit last weekend that way. So certainly be ready on your your phones. The Twitter machine comes Sunday or Saturday. <laughs> Sunday comes Saturday morning. Oh yeah, you got to pay attention. It's Where, yeah, last fifteen minutes. Is it easier to just uh, to find people to lock in with? Are there you know like college football injuries? Um, things? I would say. Uh, let me double check that I'm right on this. Get the right Twitter handle. I'll stall and tap dance while we go do with unabated Twitter. college football on X. X. That's going to be your best option now. In fairness. <laughs> They have a smart little business model that they give you the news 15 minutes after they get it. You got to pay for it to get it right on time or what? Yeah, apparently. But what I would say is, is if anything, if you have a questionable player, type in their name and just search their name. Yeah, somebody else. And go to latest and somebody's tweeting about it. Yeah. As you mentioned, the beat writers are out there. Somebody's going to say something. So. Just keep an eye up until uh, kickoff because last week was certainly one of those there. If you were in the right space, watching the right people, you were plenty fine. So uh, hopefully you guys can navigate it. Hopefully injuries play out well for you. And then, uh, you know, hopefully we're sitting here smiling next week that things are going perfectly for all of us. We all took down all the tournaments and have all the tickets. So uh, until then, for Brian and Chris, we'll see you then.